Igor Shesterkin claims victory in his first start in two weeks, even though the Rangers flirt with disaster, and Adam Edstrom and Matt Rempe have both been called up from Hartford. Could a trade be imminent? You're locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 1002 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL to get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. And we are, of course... Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So the Rangers obviously flirt with disaster against the Chicago Blackhawks on Friday night. Look to be well on their way to a pretty comfortable win. You know, they weren't perfect, but obviously something of an underwhelming opponent. Rangers let the Blackhawks back into the game. It goes to overtime, and they ultimately, uh, like I said, avoid disaster thanks to a Mika Zibanejad overtime winner. But I We'll get to those details in a second. You know, everything that went wrong in the third period and uh, the Rangers ultimately rallying to win. Also want to talk a little bit about the Rangers promoting uh, both Adam Edstrom and Matt Rempe. That got a lot of people talking and wondering if maybe a trade could be in the works for the Rangers. It's possible. And, you know, we'll discuss that a little bit later. But we can't go a second longer without talking about Igor Shesterkin because, like I said, this is one of the biggest storylines, not just surrounding the Rangers right now, but really surrounding the entire NHL. Igor Shesterkin has been an elite goalie ever since coming into the league. Obviously, two years ago, just that insane, you know, he was like a Vesna winner among Vesna winners that season. Seriously, like if you take a look at the last, there's 32 teams in the league, right? If you take a look at the last 32 Vesna winners, I got to believe Igor might be the Vesna winner that season, even among that group. He was that good and obviously been scuffling quite a bit this season. But, you know, a solid performance here. If unspectacular, he ends up stopping 28 of 31 shots. To begin with, that's probably more shots than you want to allow to a team like the Blackhawks, which struggles so mightily to create offense of any kind. You know, coming into this game, they were averaging barely two goals a night, and I'm pretty sure it was dead last in the entire league. If it wasn't dead last, certainly, uh, you know, in the mix there. Um, and again, you know, it's too bad the Rangers kind of let this one get away late because Igor was kind of cruising. You know, he gave up the early goal, but he had slammed the door after that. Rangers were up three to one with seven minutes to go or about seven minutes to go. And you think they're going to be well on their way to, you know, a fairly easy two points here. And unfortunately, they give up a goal seven minutes left. They give up another one with 102 to go. You go to overtime and uh, they do win it there. But uh, Igor's stat line and just the, the feeling around his overall performance, I think would have been a lot better if the Rangers just kind of close the door at the end of this game. They weren't able to do that. And of course, Igor unable to stop, you know, those late two goals from going in as well. Um, you know, everybody has a hand in it, but the Rangers, you know, let this one get away from them against the uh, worst team in hockey. If, if you go by record, it's either them or the Sharks. You know, they're right in that same area there. Um, it's funny though, because it's very rare that going into any given Ranger game, I know for sure what the first thing I'm going to talk about is going to be. This is one of those exceptions, though, because whether Eeyore was brilliant, whether he got lit up or somewhere in between, which is what we ended up getting here, uh, we certainly were going to start this show talking about him because, again, one of the bigger storylines uh, around the league right now. For the most part, you know, I, I thought he was solid 
if we're going to put a letter grade on this, I'd say maybe like a B, maybe B minus if you want to be a little bit critical and kind of hold him to uh, the standard that he's uh, set for himself in recent seasons. Um, you know, the one thing that I like here is that Igor mostly, mostly closed the door on the Blackhawks after giving up what I thought was probably a little bit of a soft goal, about two minutes and 40 seconds, whatever it was, into the first period there. You know, you had a shot from the, uh, you know, kind of uh, near the blue line, kind of near the boards as well. Vlasic takes the shot, and he ends up scoring this was after the Rangers had possession of the puck. They weren't able to keep it. Um, you know, a nice shot. You do have to give some credit here. It was a, you know, kind of a fast-rising shot, and he did kind of pick the far corner a little bit there, but I do think it was stoppable. And even as uh, as Vlasic was lining up to take this shot, it kind of felt to me that Igor wasn't really in the best position. He was almost too far you know, he left the, uh, the the far post a little bit unguarded. The far side of the net just looked like there was an opening there, and Vlasic was able to uh, take advantage. I was kind of holding my breath um, as this shot was coming, and sure enough, ends up going into the net. Um, it was nice to see the Rangers answer back, you know, instead of the other way around. Uh, they get goals from Lafreniere and Kreider. They take a 2-1 to one lead, and then Brodzinski scores a stuffing goal in the second period to make it 3-1. You think they're on their way at that point. Obviously, it got interesting after that. But to keep the focus on Igor here and break down the other two goals that he surrendered in this game, you know, the good news, again, he, he went a long time without giving up another goal. And we've seen situations in the past where if Igor lets in a soft one, uh, early in the game, or he gives up two goals early in the first period, or not even early in the first period, just in the first period in general, uh, it seems like it's been difficult for him to really kind of, you know, just slam the door and say, that's enough. You know, you're not going to get any more on me the rest of the night. Um, and granted, he didn't do that in a literal sense here because the Blackhawks did get the two late goals. But for a long time in this game, Igor played well, made some nice saves, gave up the goal again, about 240 into the action. And then when, you know, 40 plus minutes, whatever it was, like 40 maybe like 50 minutes. I'm not really the best at math, you know, off the top of my head here, but the bottom line is he played very well and he did something that, again, he's been struggling to do and that's limit the damage, at least for the time being. And then things kind of got away from both Igor and the Rangers in the last couple of minutes. Uh, the second goal, hit the Blackhawks pressuring and with an extended uh, offensive zone possession and Igor makes a couple of saves. You know, the Blackhawks keep possession. He makes another save. They keep possession. It was kind of one of those um, situations where the Rangers just couldn't get the puck. And then eventually, he makes another save on a shot from along the boards, but Felino is in front of the net. He cleans it up, and he scores 3-2. to two. Uh, Igor did allow a rebound there, but, you know, obviously tough to stop that uh, point-blank rebound attempt from Felino. Uh, then the third goal, the game-tying goal, the Blackhawks had pulled their goalie, and they get control of the puck through the Blackhawks after they dump it. Uh, you got Jones taking a shot from the point, and Dickinson deflects it in front of the net. And that's a tough one. You know, deflections are always difficult. There's not so much you could really do if you're Igor here. The one thing I'll say, though, is, and this has been an issue, I, I think, during Igor's struggles, it felt like he wasn't really ready from that shot from Jones. You know, Jones kind of just, he got the puck, like I said, at the point and kind of just threw it toward the net. Not a bad play when you're searching for the equalizer and there's some traffic in front. Um, Igor, it, it felt like, you know, while the shot was happening, he was still kind of standing straight up in his crease instead of really being ready for it. All this might be a moot point anyway because the deflection was going to be very difficult to stop regardless. Um, and it's possible that I'm overanalyzing this. But, you know, with Igor struggling in ways that we've never seen him struggle, that's kind of how we're all going to be. Um, you're going to kind of, you know, he's going to be under a, the microscope even more than goalies typically are. So, yeah, again, I, I'm just not so sure that he looks ready to stop this one. But like I said, with the deflection, may have been a moot point. Um, as far as, like, you know, some of the things that he did well, I, I thought Igor was really good against the Blackhawks. 
uh, during their rushes when they kind of had the puck in transition. There were probably a couple too many you know, strong rushes by the Blackhawks into the Ranger zone, but he held firm in those spots, made a couple of different saves in those situations. I thought maybe his best save was in the third period. This is when the Rangers were still up 3-1, to one, but you had uh, Lindgren passing to Fox. Fox tried to go back to Lindgren. The Blackhawks took it away, and Igor was forced to make a point-blank save on Johnson, and we heard Sam Rosen after, after this uh, save said that Igor bails him out, and you know, you, you don't want to rely on your goalie to always do that, obviously. But it was nice to hear Sam say that. We haven't heard Sam say that in a while. Igor bails them out. It's nice to know that Igor still got it in him. Rangers obviously turned the puck over here. And Igor was up to the challenge of, you know, keeping the puck out of the net. Uh, and then, you know, another save that he made right after this. The Blackhawks uh, got the puck in front of the net to Johnson. and Or no, it wasn't Johnson. So I, I missed the player that it was. But somebody on the Blackhawks had the puck in front of the Ranger net. And he was eventually passing it to Johnson. And, and Igor did a really nice job anticipating that pass. He didn't really overcommit to the initial Blackhawk that had the puck because when this player had it, he had his back turned to the Ranger net. He was in no position to shoot. There was a Ranger defender on him as well. And Igor kind of felt Johnson there and kind of knew that the puck was going to go to him. And when it did, he was ready. Great anticipation. He slid over to his right to uh, block the shot keep it out. Uh, one of his better saves of the night for sure. He even got into it with Felino. You know, there was a big scrum and you know, Igor's freezing the puck and you've got Felino basically just whacking away and Igor gets up and takes a swipe at him. Igor got called for a penalty. So did Felino. Uh, the penalty was served by Will Cooley. But um, yeah, I mean, look, Igor was active and ha- had to make a lot of saves more than you would probably expect against a team like the Blackhawks. Was not perfect. It's not going to go on Igor's, you know, Top ten, when he's all done playing hockey, it's not going to be in his top 10 best performances ever. But seeing him again get a win, make a couple of nice saves, uh, that I thought was encouraging. And uh, possibly the biggest thing, the fact that you know, he gave up an early goal and then went a long, long time without giving up another one after that. I'm very encouraged by that. As far as, you know, how to handle the goalies going forward, I'm going to map this out real quick. I looked ahead at the Rangers' schedule. They've got their home against the Flames, home against the Canadians, and technically at the Islanders, although that game is the Stadium Series game. so. Nobody's really home. I mean, that there's going to be more Ranger fans than Islander fans. So it's basically a home game for the Rangers. But my thought that was that I want Igor to play in that stadium series game just because, you know, on one hand, it's another regular season game. It doesn't count anymore or any less in the standings, right? But it's a rivalry game. You know all these players get up for games like that. It's very unique. You're outside, you know, playing hockey and in a uh, baseball stadium. There's obviously a ton of people there. So that being the case, I think Igor, who's been the Ranger franchise goalie, who up until this season has been solid as a rock game in and game out season in and season out. Uh, I think that's his game. I think he should get that honor of playing that game. And that being the case, we're going to kind of work backwards and go back to the, the most recent game, the one coming up home against the flames. Let's put Igor right back out there uh, to follow up on this performance that he had against the Blackhawks. He needs a confidence boost. He played well enough in this one. You put him back out there against the flames. Then the Rangers are home against the Canadians on Thursday. Go back to Jonathan Quick for that one. You certainly, with the way he's played, don't want to take him out of the mix either. So I think that's Quick's game. And then, like I said, that leads us to the Stadium Series game against the Islanders, and that should be Igor's game. So in a nutshell, next three games, we're going Igor, Quick, Igor. If it's up to me, um, that, that's the order that it, that we would go in, and we'll just take it from there. You know, that, that's the next three games, and we'll see how everything looks after those three games are played. But going to keep everything rolling in just a second. I want to uh, break down... The overtime period, obviously the Rangers had to kind of bail themselves out of what would have been a disastrous loss. Going to get to that. Also going to get to the promotions of both Edstrom and Rempe. 
and uh, talk about what they might end up, what kind of role they might end up be playing uh, with the Rangers. So we'll get to that in just a second. First, though, we definitely want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Sleeper. We are past the halfway point of the season, Ranger fans. We've had some ups and downs, but the Rangers have won four in a row. But regardless of where we are in the current standings, I want to remind you that you could win big by playing Daily Fantasy Hockey on Sleeper, the official Daily Fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for Daily Fantasy Sports and especially Daily Fantasy Hockey. Because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your bet in Daily Fantasy Hockey contests. All you have to do is pick whether studs like Igor or Fox or Panarin, or Mika Zibanejad, who record more or less than their sleeper projections for things like goals, assists, saves, plus, minus, and more in a given game. To win 100 times your bet on sleeper, you need to correctly correctly predict the outcome of eight-player stats. You heard me, Ranger fans. You can win 100 times your money playing daily fantasy hockey with sleeper. So start paying attention and nail your picks so you can start winning big. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL, and you will get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code locked on NHL, sea sleepers, terms of use for details and locational availability. Also, want to let everybody know that Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel on YouTube. And now you can also find it on Amazon Fire TV. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24 7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On plus our national shows covering every league. Find the Locked On Sports Today channel now on Amazon Fire TV. All right, so let's go ahead and keep everything rolling here. Like I said, I want to shift our attention to kind of the end of this game. I mean, we really already covered the uh, the Blackhawks push and the two goals that they scored. Uh, I think it's also worth noting, because I found this interesting, I'm sure a lot of you did as well, that in the third period of this game, up 3-1, to one, the Rangers began kind of shuffling the deck, mixing and matching with their line combinations. We saw a bunch of different uh, trios used as far as the Ranger forwards are concerned. First of all, let's just, before we get into the actual combinations, just the decision to do this. It's a bit of a weird spot because, you know, teams, when they mix and match everything and, and they put this guy on this line over here and this guy moves up the lineup and that guy moves down the lineup, that's usually something that you're doing when you need a jump start when you're trailing in a game, when you don't like what your team has done, the the effort or the, you know, just the um the have to just isn't there for the the team on a certain night. Um, you don't really see it when a team is winning, but you can kind of understand why they did it because Mika Zibanejad and to a lesser extent Chris Kreider in slumps recently, trying some different things to try to get those guys going a little bit. And I don't know. To me, it's not necessarily an ideal situation to do this because. You know, you're winning this game and you want to just close things out, make sure you get the two points, make sure you get your four straight win. By that same token, I get the feeling that maybe Laviolette's mindset here, and he won't say this because he's not going to insult the Rangers opponent, but maybe it was, okay, we're playing this team. They're not a good team. We're up by two goals. I should be able to do this. I should be able to experiment with my line combinations, and you guys should be able to bring this one home. And the Rangers ultimately did. It was a lot more interesting than I think a lot of us thought that it was going to be. But maybe that was the mindset coming from Laviolette and the coaching staff that we should be able to do this experiment with our line combinations on the fly here against a weaker opponent. We've already got a two-goal lead. And, um, you know, obviously uh, the, the Rangers did everything they could to uh, to choke this one away. But they, they did get the win in the overtime period. But as far as uh, the line combinations that we saw, we saw we saw a lot, really. I mean, when, when Laviolette 
changes his lines in the middle of the game. He doesn't just go with set line combinations the rest of the way. He's kind of mixing and matching the whole rest of the game. And we kind of saw that here. We saw Lafreniere with Trocek and Blake Wheeler. Uh, that was kind of interesting. We also saw Panarin, Mika, and Kreider. I uh, believe it was Kreider who was playing the right wing at that point. So they kind of stacked the top line. Um, I, I think at one point, and this is a line combination that a lot of people have pitched. I think at one point we had Panarin, Mika, and Lafreniere. Um, the idea being that, you know, as far as people that want to see this line combination, you don't want to break up Panarin and Lafreniere. They've worked very well together. Panarin's been very good in, in helping Lafreniere kind of reach that next level this year, but you need to get Mika going. So you put him between those two and that could work out. Um, that's not really what they did. I mean, maybe a shift or two here and there, but um, we saw Panarin, Mika, and Kreider quite a few times. And the other interesting thing, the first line combination that I threw out there, uh, again, Lafreniere, Trotrek, and Wheeler. We saw Lafreniere play left wing for basically the first time the entire season. Obviously, that's kind of his natural position, but that was kind of interesting to see. We saw at one point Panarin, Brodzinski, and Lafreniere. Uh, that's not a line combination that I think we've seen at any point this season. Um, Trocek, Lafreniere, and Wheeler, they were out there a couple times. We had Lafreniere setting up Trocek for a shot that went off the post. Uh, we had Kreider and Mika back together and, and back out there with Blake Wheeler. So, yeah, they were doing a lot. They were mixing and matching. And uh, as far as, you know, sticking with any of these line combinations, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. We're going to discuss that more in just a little bit here when we talk about uh, the ringer line combinations at practice and the call-ups of both Edstrom and Rempe. Um, But it looks like they're going to go back to the lines that they've been using. So we'll, we'll discuss that in a little bit. But as far as the overtime period, you know, by the time the Blackhawks tied this game, there were... One of two possible outcomes here for the Rangers. One of them was that this was going to be their worst loss of the season. Now, on one hand, I mean, they'd won three in a row coming in. So it's not like this prolongs a certain like agonizing stretch of Ranger hockey. But by that same combination, you won three in a row coming into this. Don't throw your winning streak away by dropping a game to the Blackhawks that you should never lose. You're up by two goals late in the game. Finish finish the deal. Um, so it could have been the worst loss of the season. It also could have been the worst win of the season, which I think is what we ultimately ended up getting here. You know, a win is a win and two points is two points. And I get that. But, you know, you saw even just by the way the Rangers celebrated, if you could even call it a celebration, when Mika Zibanejad scored, it was very subdued. You know, they, they're happy that they won. They all got onto the ice, you know, fist bumping and, you know, the, the helmet bumping and everything and, you know, a couple high fives and everything. But nobody was like going crazy or, or celebrating or acting like they just won the Stanley Cup or anything along those lines because they knew. They knew they gave this game away. You get to overtime three on three. It's always a little bit of a crapshoot. I think the Rangers played very well in the overtime period, so credit to them for doing that. But yeah, I mean, you're you're playing with disaster, and ultimately you found a way to get the job done, but uh, not exactly uh, the most satisfying win of the season uh, for this group of Ranger players. As far as what happened in the overtime, I said my piece the last time the Rangers went into overtime. It was a couple of games ago. Uh, that I think the Rangers to start overtime should go with Trocek, Panarin, and Fox. First of all, it's Panarin. I think that kind of speaks for himself. Uh, when you see the, the season that he's having this year, he needs to be on the ice. Mika's a good face-off guy, but he's not the best face-off guy in the league like Vincent Trocek is, so I think he should be out there to win that opening face-off. And, I mean, give me Adam Fox over Ke'Andre Miller in most situations. You know, I, I think I'd rather have Fox than Miller. Um, they haven't done that, though. They go with Mika, Kreider, and Miller. There was a play stoppage only about 20 or 25 seconds into the overtime. Uh, not too long after that, um, you had Mika was back on the ice at this point. He's out there with Alexi Lafreniere. 
He hits Lafreniere up the center of the ice. Lafreniere exploding toward the net. Lafreniere's got a lot of overtime winners um, since coming into the league. I got to go back and, and tally them up at some point. Um, but yeah, uh, Lafreniere straight to the net. And uh, Stick Handles tries to go five hole with a backhand, was unable to do so. Um, but then you eventually get the Blackhawks having the puck. They take it into the Rangers zone. But Dickinson ran into Fox. He falls down to three on two for the Rangers in the other direction. Uh, Fox moves it to Kreider. Kreider goes over the blue line. He's moving very slowly toward the net. And like I said, this is a prolonged three-on-two because Dickinson is down on the other side of the rink. Um, so Kreider, he's got Fox kind of ahead of him and also a little bit to the left. He's got Mika to the right. He's got two defenders in front of him. And Kreider, you're not really sure what he's going to do here. He's got options. He could go to Fox in deep. He could uh, take the shot himself because he's you know in pretty good uh, scoring position there. Or he could do what he did, that slide a pass to his right to Mika. Mika winds back and hammers it and scores 4-3. And uh, like I said, a subdued reaction here from the Rangers. They didn't exactly go crazy. It's not a 5v5 goal for Mika, but hey, at least it's even strength, right? Maybe baby steps in the right direction here. Um, Nice to see the Rangers regroup, even though they never should have been in overtime in the first place. And one last thing that I want to do here is uh, give out the Unsung Hero Award. I'm actually going to go with Capo Caco for this game. I thought he looked pretty active for the most part. Uh, he drew a penalty with some good work in the offensive zone. There was a prolonged Ranger possession, and then it looked like the puck was going to come out, and the Rangers kept it in, worked it back up to Caco. Uh, Caco tried to go around a defender, and the defender tripped him up. So nice job by Caco there. Caco also got a secondary assist on the goal by Johnny Brodzinski. And on that play, you know, Caco possessing the puck for a long time. He was basically skating parallel along the Ranger blue line. And then finally uh, moves to his right to, to go over the blue line, starts heading toward the net. He shoots from a really sharp angle here. Nice to see him, you know, being willing to shoot the puck. And um, Razik made the save, but it was obviously a, a tough shot for him to handle because it fell into the crease. Cooley tried to put it home, wasn't able to do so, but Brodzinski came over and uh, he knocked it home and uh, scored the goal. But this is all Capo Caco making this happen. And, uh, you know, Caco, tough season for him so far. I, I know we want more points, and obviously he missed all that time with an injury, and there's all this talk about he could be traded. But, you know, I thought he did a nice job in this game against the Blackhawks. So there you go, Capo Caco, your unsung hero. We're going to keep everything rolling into the second here. I want to turn our attention to the Rangers calling up Matt Rempe as well as Adam Edstrom. They both come up from the Hartford Wolfpack. We will talk about those two players and uh, what this might mean. Could there be a trade forthcoming? We'll get to all that in just a second here. First, though, let's go ahead and let everybody know Today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is brought to you by our good friends at FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and much, much more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. All right, so some uh, breaking news here, somewhat breaking news, depending on what your definition of what breaking news is. You know, it, back in the day, it was like a day or two was still breaking news. Now it's like a matter of hours or even minutes, what you could really call breaking news. But bottom line, Rangers have called up Matt Rempe and Adam Edstrom from the Hartford Wolfpack. Jake LeCision has been sent down to the Hartford Wolfpack. I'll be honest, I forgot LeCision was even on the roster. Um, he's been a healthy stretch for the last handful of games, but he heads back to Hartford. Um, and a lot of people kind of uh, 
throwing out the idea that this could mean that the Rangers are about to make a trade. And there is some logic to that because, you know, if you call up two forwards and you have 23 guys on the roster as the Rangers currently do, uh, that will lessen your cap space accrual that you will get between now and the trade deadline, you know, carrying 23 players. So I think a lot of people saw these guys called up and they're thinking that maybe somebody on the Rangers get going to get put on waivers or be traded. And uh, one or both of, of Rempe and Edstrom would step in, into the lineup uh, to replace said player. But I don't know that that's really what it means. Uh, I will take uh, LaViolette at face value. It, it sounds like uh, Edstrom is going to play in this next one, and we'll elaborate on that in a second, and that Rempe won't. And so the natural question that myself, I think a lot of you had, is, okay, well, why would you call up Rempe if he's not going to play? You know, this is one of your draft picks. He's a young player. You'd want him to stay with Hartford and continue to hone his craft and not watch games from the press box. And there's some truth to that, but LaViolette made it sound like they're dealing with some things in the locker room as far as injuries are concerned. Not sure, you know, who's banged up or what it might be. But he mentioned that. And he also said that, you know, he just wants to get a look at these players. Now, it's sounding like Edstrom is going to play. And again, more on that in just a second. Rempe, not necessarily, but... You know, he, he wants to see what Rempe can do, you know, have him in practice, have him around the NHL team. That does make sense. And I think for that reason, it doesn't mean for sure that a trade is about to happen. It doesn't also mean that a trade won't happen. You know, he might also be kind of covering for his GM while Drury kind of, you know, does his work behind the scenes and not wanting to tip the hand that the Rangers are, are close to striking a trade or, you know, whatever the situation might be. There could be some gamesmanship there. Um, but yeah, as far as, you know, these two players getting called up, like I said, it does sound like Edstrom is going to play. Uh, the lines at practice a little bit earlier today here on Sunday were the same that the Rangers have been going with uh, to start pretty much every game, the last handful of games here. The only difference is that Edstrom was in Tyler Pitlick's spot at fourth line right wing. So if they go with these line combinations that we saw in practice here tomorrow night, Monday night, then that would mean that Edstrom will be out there with Jimmy Vesey and Barkley Goodrow on the fourth line. And, you know, for anybody that needs a little bit of a refresher about Edstrom and who is this guy and how the Rangers get him and what does he bring to the table. So Edstrom, a former six-round pick by the Rangers in 2019, uh, he did make his NHL debut earlier this season, played just one game December 15th when the Rangers were at home against the Ducks, but he turned some heads. People were impressed. I, I thought he played well. He was out there for less than 10 minutes, but he ends up scoring a goal in this game, which is three seconds to go. Uh, Rangers were already up big, so it didn't really matter that much. But, I mean, try telling Edstrom it didn't matter. It's his first NHL goal. Uh, so that was awesome to see. He uh, lights the lamp with just three seconds to go. Also had two hits, uh, three shots on goal. He even tried to score on, like, a between-the-legs kind of a deal, which would have been wild if that ended up being his first NHL goal. But, you know, big kid, that's the first thing that you'll notice as soon as this guy uh, steps onto an ice rink. 23 years old, six foot seven, 234 pounds. And, you know, the Raiders have been criticized by certain fans in recent seasons for going with, uh, you know, players late in the draft that, like, don't seem to have a lot of upside. Look, by the time you get to, like, the sixth and seventh round, it's kind of a crapshoot anyway. It's a little bit of a dart throw. So I don't mind the Raiders doing what they've been doing a couple of times in recent years, which is basically just drafting skyscrapers. Because if nothing else, the one thing we know isn't going to slump here or the one thing that we know won't go away with Edstrom is the fact that he is six foot seven and 234 pounds. And when it's just a crapshoot anyway, I don't mind drafting somebody who's just big. And um, if nothing else, he can come in and pr provide a physical presence. And if he turns into a good player, then, I mean, that's just a bonus. It, it's a bonus anytime a sixth or seventh rounder develops into a serviceable NHL player. So, uh, yeah, he's here, and it sounds like he is going to play Edstrom. 
Um, and as far as Pitlick being the odd man out, I mean, look, he plays hard. I, I don't think it's ever really a lack of effort. He lays in some pretty big hits every now and then. Um, but there's just zero upside when it comes to Tyler Pitlick. And as I've been talking about recently, whenever the Rangers make a move, whether it's trading for somebody, a forward, or whether it's calling somebody up from Hartford, it feels like Tyler Pitlick is all but guaranteed to be the odd man out of the Ranger lineup. Now, if they were to, you know, add another player at this point or, or put Rempe into the lineup in addition to Edstrom, who would be the other Ranger forward to come out? That I'm not so sure of. That would be a difficult decision. But I think, you know, just having one Ranger forward come out of the lineup, it was always most likely uh, to be Tyler Pitlick. And, and it's nothing against Pitlick, but again, it, he's just kind of the odd man out. It is what it is. Um, Edstrom with Hartford this year, 25 games, eight goals, two assists. So obviously 10 points, and he is a plus two in that time. And as for Matt Rempe, he was also called up. He's gotten kind of a cult following because another big kid here, uh, six foot eight, 240 pounds, and he is not afraid to use that to his advantage. Uh, he got into a, he's been getting into a decent amount of fights with the Hartford Wolfpack. Uh, he also, two years ago, the Rangers and Flyers have started doing that rookie series where, you know, they're, they're prospects and they're young guys. They are in, you know, kind of like a joint camp together and they play each other in a couple of games. And two years ago, uh, Matt Rempe got into a fight with Wade Allison and won that fight. And then uh, in the preseason this past year, got into a fight with Ross Johnston of the Islanders. Uh, looked like he won that one too. And then that was a complete slugfest. So look, for everybody that's a Ranger fan, you want more size and more strength and physicality and toughness and, and you know, in your face kind of kind of hockey, intimidation, all that stuff. You should be very, very happy with these two call-ups because these are uh, two giants that the Rangers have called up uh, to the main roster here. And again, doesn't look like Rempe's going to play in this first game. But Edstrom will, and uh, we'll see if Rempe eventually works his way into the lineup. Again, six foot eight, 240 pounds is Rempe. Uh, he is 21 years old, another former six-round pick by the Rangers in 2020. So again, goes back to what I was talking about just a second ago with Edstrom drafting some big dudes at the end of the draft. I don't think that's ever really a bad way to go. But Rempe with Hartford this year, 43 games, eight goals, four assists, and is a minus nine in that time. The only other thing that I want to talk about here uh, before we call it a day, and we'll, we'll break this down in, in greater detail in our next episode, um, but the Rangers, at least at practice, are going with some new look power play units. And we'll get to the uh, the two quintets in just a second here. But first, let me just say that in the last game, I believe it was the Rangers' third power play attempt, they did something that I've been mentioning recently because the power play has been in a slump. There's no denying it. And what they did was they actually allowed the Rangers' second power play unit to start a power play, which it's not illegal. You're allowed to do that from time to time. You know, when your top unit is struggling and, and just kind of looking a little bit lethargic as the Ranger top power play unit has looked in recent games, I don't mind that move at all. Um, you know, just, just try something a little bit different and lay a little bit of a fire under the top unit. And the announcers were talking about that. Uh, Sam Rosen, JD, I, or JD, I don't know where that came from. That was, that was a blast from the past. Sam Rosen, Joe Micheletti, uh, also, I, I think Steve Valaket, I want to say, was uh, talking about it during, you know, between periods there. It's something that, you know, again, you you do it to motivate your top unit a little bit. And like I said, I don't think the top unit has looked all that good recently. So I just like the fact I talked about doing this not too long ago, maybe like two or three episodes ago. Uh, go ahead and give the second power play unit the start of a power play. It's okay to do it a couple times a season. You could do it just to do it every once in a while. You know, even if your top unit is doing all right, maybe you see something from your second unit. These guys that are on your second unit are playing well in general. You want to reward them a little bit. They can start a power play every once in a blue moon. But I, I like them trying that. They didn't really do anything or, or score, but um, regardless, at least they gave it a shot. And now 
the news from practice is that the Rangers are working uh, with different power play units in practice. So the top power play unit, or what seems to be the top power play unit, you have three players that are usually there that are still there. They are Adam Fox, Chris Kreider, Mika Zibanejad. Also joining those three on the Ranger top power play unit are Blake Wheeler and Johnny Brodzinski. And I'll have some thoughts in just a second, but let's actually, let's list the second power play too. So now the second power play, Panarin and Trocek are now there. So they obviously dropped from the top unit down to the second, and they are there with Capo Caco, Alexi Lafreniere, and Eric Gustafson. Gustafson's been uh, removed from that unit in recent games in favor of Truba, uh, but he's back there at least in practice. So let's start with the top unit. Um, I'm beginning to think that Kreider and Mika might have it in their contracts that they always have to be on the same line. You know, I pitched some ideas for, you know, new look power play units to shuffle the deck a little bit there. If you want to try to jumpstart them a little bit, this is not what I would have gone with. I would not have taken Panarin off of the top unit. I mean, that's for sure. You know, having Mika and Brodzinski there, you know, Brodzinski kind of plays Mika's role on the second unit. Brodzinski's got a, a sneaky good slap shot. And so to have them both there together, you know, that, that's a little bit odd as well. Blake Wheeler on the top unit, I, I don't know that I would have done that. Uh, he's fine on the second unit. That that seems like a bridge too far, though. I mean, we have a situation here where Panarin is not on the top power play unit, but Blake Wheeler and Johnny Brodzinski both are. That's, that's a lot to wrap your mind around, but uh, at least at practice, that's what they're doing. As far as the second unit, Panarin and Trocek are there. I mean, this at least lets you have Panarin with Lafreniere on the ice, which, as we know, at even strength has worked very, very well. Um, so that's an idea, although I would have had the two of them on the top power play unit if it was up to me. Uh, Kako's still there. And as far as Gustafson getting back on the second power play unit, I think it's fine. You know, that can always be fluid. You can go back to Jacob Truba. You could even put Ke'Andre Miller there uh, at one time or another. He's he's mixing on the power play a little bit if you want to try that. Um, but they got to try to get Gustafson going a little bit, maybe getting him some power play time. Uh, could work in his favor. But that's where things are. You know, maybe we'll talk a little bit about those power play units in our next episode. Uh, we'll find some other things to talk about as well. Rangers obviously going to be back in action Monday night against the Flames. Uh, but wanted to get out this uh, special Sunday edition here. Obviously talk about the call-ups, talk about Igor Shosturkin and the Rangers' overtime win against the Blackhawks. So uh, glad they got that win. Would have been a rough one if they had dropped that one in the overtime. Pretty disastrous loss there. But they got the job done one way or another. Uh, that will do it for today, though, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that's at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to the Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I will see you next time.